Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Next week, we're going to meet a lot of those that work in the city for us and with us. They're our partners. Our, our plan, our desire is to give a million dollars to the gospel partners that we have in this city to help us serve this city. Yes. I mean, that... <clears throat> Just to meet them, it just makes me, I'm, I, I can get pumped about that. I can say, you know what? Man, I want to do that. I'd love to give a million. I used to dream, what, how cool would it be to be in a church that could give a million dollars to a city to make a difference for Christ. But there's something even, even bigger than that. If you want to know why, I want to give and I want to be generous. We sang it. He reigns above it all. He's worthy. When I consider who he is, and how could I not be generous because he was so generous to me? Can we just, I'm going to grab Shauna. I think she's still standing. There you go. Shauna, can you come out? Guys, can we just remind ourselves before we read the text? He reigns above it all. Let's stand. Just let him hear this as we affirm, God, you reign above it all. You reign above it all. You reign above it all. Over the universe and over every heart, there is no Jesus, you reign above it all. Let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name. Jesus, you reign above it all. You reign. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Shauna. Yes. You can have a seat. That song, in the middle of that song, I'm just standing there thinking, God, I, have, I need no other reason. Projects, they're great, but you are awesome. And what I do, I do for you. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to say to those believers in Corinth. He's making a final appeal to him that, look, God will take care of you. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And God will bless you so you can sow more. That's what he's saying. We're in the second letter to the Corinthians. We're in chapter 9. Okay? At the end of chapter 8, he emphasizes, I'm sending Titus and two others to make sure that the gift that you give is 
secure, to make sure that everything is appropriate, everything is above board. I just think it's fascinating that Paul, even in his day, wanted everything to be done with integrity and accountability. And I'm going to tell you something. I've never served in a church where there's more integrity and accountability, and it's done by the leadership of the teams that we have in this church and some staff members. And I can say this because I'm not a part of that. I learned a long time ago, don't touch the money, pastor, and you'll be okay. And so I don't touch the money and we're okay. We are in great shape because we got people, like Paul said, I wanna make sure. That's the end of chapter eight. The beginning of chapter nine, he just simply says, hey, I want you to be ready. I don't want this to surprise you. I'm sending somebody to pick up that gift. Now, what was the gift for? It was for believers over in Jerusalem. It's almost 2,000 miles away. Ones they never met, they never knew, but who needed help. And he said, I'm gonna send somebody to pick that gift up. I don't want it to surprise you. And he also put in a little, reason I love Paul so much, he, he added this part, he goes, and by the way, don't disappoint me. Don't embarrass me. How many of you have ever looked at your kids before they walked out the door and said, please don't embarrass me? That's what Paul was saying to them. Then he turns his attention to the two struggles that every one of us has. And let's be honest. As much as we believe he reigns above it all and he's been good to us, there will be a struggle when you start to think of being generous. And let me tell you the two places you're gonna struggle. Jesus knew it in Matthew 6, he talked about it. He dealt with it in Matthew 6, Sermon on the Mount. Paul deals with it today. Here are the two areas. Number one, greed. We all have a selfish nature. It's just a part of the sin nature that we inherited. That selfish nature wants to make the call. You want to hold on to things. Selfish natures don't let go of things easily. They hold on to them. You're going to have to fight that. And the second thing is fear. Gosh, if I give, are we going to be okay? We're going to have enough for the month. Are we going to have enough for this year? Are we... There's this sense of scarcity sometimes that gets in us. Let me tell you where fear comes from. It doesn't come from your father. It comes from your enemy. And he wants you to be afraid and not do what you know the father has called you to do. So Paul addresses both of these things. It's in the second chapter of Corinthians. I'm going to start reading in verse 6. Uh, we're going to read down through verse 10 just to get it before us again. Follow along as I read it. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. May the Lord add his blessing to his word. So when my kids were young, 
every once in a while I would have them by myself. And so I tried to take them places where I knew that they would be distracted and I would at least have help around me in case it got out of control. One of those places I used to, to take them was McDonald's. That's when Rachel would let us. But anyway, I would go to McDonald's. And one day we're at McDonald's and I'm telling you, they're small, they're young. And I'm just sitting there and, and they've got French fries, they got a Happy Meal. And I get to looking at those French fries and they look so good. And I said, hey, can I have, can I have some of your fries? No. I said, just one or two. I just want one or two fries. No. I looked at him, I said, you realize I bought those fries, right? You realize I, those fries belong to me. Just let me have a couple. No. I said, you realize I could buy as many fries as I want. No. I said, you know what? I don't even need those fries. And all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. I'll never forget this. David, now you know how I feel. Everything you have, I gave it to you. And yet whenever I ask, whenever I lead you and move in you to give, you go, oh no, no. And it was as if God was saying, do you think I really need your fries? No, no. I want your heart. I want you to want to share what you know came from me. Paul says the only way to defeat greed or self in us is when we recognize from the heart it's all his and we're honored to say, Lord, whatever you want with it. As long as you think it's yours, as long as self rules, you'll never be generous. You'll never be gracious. So that's why you hear Paul saying, let each one determine in his heart. Because there's two things that if I could read this, this verse again, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That one verse, verse seven, there's two things I hear God saying. Number one, he doesn't want you to be generous because you have to. He doesn't want you to be generous because you have to. He doesn't want you to be generous out of guilt, okay? That's not what God wants. I, I just wanted to fry that day. I really wasn't trying to make a point, but the Lord showed me a point in my own life. You see, I don't think you ever need to feel like, well, I've, I've got to be a part of this and I've got to give because, man, I, I've messed up a lot and I've got to make sure I'm on good terms with God. Can I just tell you, it's going to take more than a gift to this to make right a relationship with God. In fact, it's going to take more than you have to give. You don't have all the fries in the world to make up that gift. It is the blood of Jesus, his son, that covered that gift. So the reason we don't give out of, well, I've got to, or I feel guilty, is because we're already forgiven. We're already set free. So we don't give to get that. We simply give because we've already gotten forgiveness and grace. So I don't give because I have to. When I give Rachel a gift, I don't give it because I have to. I give it because I love her and I want to do that. 
I mean, do you give gifts that you, they know you really didn't want to do it? <laughs> it's not much of a gift, is it? When we give to the Lord, is it like paying a car note? Oh, we got to do this. No. Do it from the heart that says, Lord, I know you have given me so much and it's an honor and a joy for me. You can have all the fries you want here. Take them. The second thing, don't give to get. Don't give to get. Regardless of what you hear on TikToks, regardless of what you read or hear on Instagram reels or post, posted on Facebook or wherever, you do not give to get. You know why? Because you've already gotten everything. He has already given you. I don't give thinking, well, if I give, I'm, he's going to give me some more. Now, does that happen? Absolutely it does. And that's the whole principle of sowing and reaping. But that's not the motivation for it. I don't give so that I can get something. No, no, I give because he's already given me everything. He owns it all. He's ab above it all. There are two kinds of givers in a church. There's givers and buyers. Givers are those who just want to give because God's been good to them. Buyers are those who want something. They either want something from God or they want something. Well, if I give a lot of money, pastor, will you do this? Believe me, I've had those conversations. I've had people walk away with supposedly a, a big gift because we weren't going to sing their favorite song. That's not a giver. That's a buyer. And you know what I've noticed in the church? Givers never have buyer's remorse. If you're buying, you'll be disappointed. But if you're giving, it is the joy of being able to give. So that's why he says, God loves a cheerful giver. You see this? Two things about this that stand out. Number one, do you know it's rare in the Bible? It's rare to find places where God, it says God loves A and there's a specific thing mentioned. Now, we know it says he loves the world. He loves us. But you can't find many places where God actually names it. God loves this, but he does here. The other thing about this, cheerful giver, that's what we call a hopox legomena, which means nothing to you. It just means it never occurs anywhere else in the New Testament. Cheerful giver occurs one time, and it's here. What does it mean? It means somebody who gives because they are delighted to do so. It means somebody who's generous because that's who they are. It's in them. Hilarious is actually the word for cheerful. That's the background of the word, hilarious. A lot of people interpret that, interpret that as, oh man, that means you're supposed to be laughing and just having a party when you give. But honestly, guys, fighting the flesh and defeating the flesh, sometimes you aren't laughing. In fact, I've never heard somebody break out laughter in the offering at a church. So what does he want me to do? He wants me to do it because it's who I am. He wants me to do it because it's his spirit living in me. God is a generous, generous God. And whenever I get close to him, I will be like him. And you know what? The father delights when he sees his reflection in us. So when we give and it's a delight to us, that's when you know God's spirit 
is reigning in you. When you give out of joy, when you give out of, it's wonderful. It means that's who, I think we were created to give. We were created to be generous. That's our, that's our spirit nature. Now the flesh, no, you, no, flesh is never going to go with you there. The flesh will always say, no, 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 you don't need to do that. He'll give, the flesh will give you every excuse that there is, but the spirit of God will say, let's do this. I used to, my wife and I've always loved Labradors, Labrador retrievers. I just think they're the best breed in the world. And I've always wanted to train them and I have trained them. And we had a big dream one time, we were gonna get rich by having Labrador puppies and selling them because I knew what I paid for them. So that didn't work out real well, but I've had some great ones. I've had black labs, chocolate labs, yellow labs. I love them all. But the best one I ever had was a black lab named Sheba. Now, Sheba was probably a bad choice of names because I'm trying to train the dog at the church parsonage, out in the backyard in the neighborhood, and I'm yelling at the dog, Sheba, sit. Say that real fast several times. <laughs> you know what's gonna happen. And I kept thinking, man, why did I name this dog Sheba? That dog, she was incredible. She loved to retrieve. I didn't teach her to retrieve. She just was born with this desire to bring something back. She'd want you to throw a stick. She'd want you to throw any, a ball, anything. But I trained her to actually be able to retrieve ducks, waterfowl. And every time we were going hunting, if the light in the bedroom came on at four in the morning, that dog went nuts. In fact, Rachel would say, can you not turn the light on so she'll be quiet? Why was the dog going nuts? She loved it. Now I went on days, it was cold, it was freezing, the water was frozen, we had to break water for her to swim through. She loved it. Why? Because she had to? No. Because that's what she was bred to do. That's a part of their DNA. From the 1500s, the breed has been around and they've been retrieving stuff from the 1500s. That's who they are. And I know some of you are sitting there going, I can't believe you did that to your dog. Made your dog swim in ice water. No, no, that's not animal cruelty. That's just honoring who she was. Let me show you animal cruelty. This is animal cruelty. That's, <laughs> that's not right. You don't dress them up for Halloween or maybe this one. No. Makes me feel sorry for those labs right there. See, a lab was made to retrieve. It's bred in them. You were made to give. That's why he saved you. That's what happened when the Spirit of God came in your life. You became more like him. And what I know about him is he's generous. So whatever self is telling you, no. Listen to your Father. Listen to the Spirit that He's placed within you. Be generous. Don't be afraid. The other issue, don't be afraid. You know why? God's got you. He is over it all. And let me show you the verse that He gave us in this text. And God is able to what? Make all grace 
abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Do you think he left anything out there? He's basically saying he'll take care of every need. He will make grace abound to you. You'll have all sufficiency. You'll never go without when you honor the Lord's will. Never. God will take care of his children. So the fear didn't come from him. It came from that selfish nature all of us have. So the last thing he says, the best way to defeat fear and the best way to defeat greed is to remember a principle. It's been since creation. It's called sowing and reaping. You've taught your children this. We've learned it. You don't have to be a farmer to understand this principle. What is the principle? You will reap what you sow. So if you want to reap something different, sow something different. I want to reap avocados, so I planted an orange tree. No. I want to reap avocados, so I plant an avocado tree. The point is this. It's real simple. You're going to reap in your life what you've sown. And you're going to reap as you've sown. Go back to the first verse we read and the last verse he shares. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So here's the question. You want to reap bountifully? Sow bountifully. It's just a law of nature. It's not a motive. Oh, well, I want to give so I can get. No, no, no. That's not why we do it. We just give bountifully knowing that the law that God has placed somehow in this universe is that we will receive to the measure that we have been generous. And then he says, he who supplies seed to the sower, you don't have to worry about it. there's going to be no, a shortage of seed and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. There are two things I know. Number one, I'll reap what I sow. I don't care who I am. I don't care how hard I pray. If I sow wild oats, I can't pray for a crop failure. They're coming up. I am going to reap what I sow. Second thing I know, when I reap, it's so that I can sow more. When I reap, it's so that I can sow even more. So the question that we all have to face next week is, what is the step we're going to take? And you're going to hear this verse next week. We've all seen it on the pipe. We've heard it, read it. It's verse 11, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 11. Look at it. You will be enriched in every way to be what? Generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. In other words, hey, he's going to bless you so you can be a blessing. You can be a pipe. And to the measure that you are, the blessings will come. So here's the question. First step. What is it? The journey is really simple. First time. Maybe some of you, that's it. I'm taking a step and it's the first time I've ever given. I believe this principle. I believe God has given me the evidence and I know he is overall and I'm going to take a step. For some, it's intentional. You know what I found out about intentionality and spontaneity? Some people, they don't like that word. They say, no, I just want to give when the spirit moves. Well, I'll tell you what will move. Your flesh will move. 
How many of you are compulsive buyers? Let's just be honest. I'm one. I'll raise my hand. Compulsive buyers. I can't tell you how many things are in my closet and how many things are in our house or in the garage that I bought because I really, really needed it. And I have never used it. Now, my wife was there to tell me, you don't really need that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's going to make it. If I have that, it's da-da-da-da-da-da. I, I know how to spin it. Let's just be honest. I was spontaneous. And the flesh ruled the moment. Well, let me tell you how to fix that. Get a plan. Get a goal. Be intentional. So that all of a sudden when the flesh rises up, you're like, sorry about that. I've already got a goal. I got goals in my life and that's not a part of my goal. And you don't follow. For some of you, that's going to be the step. I'm going to get intentional. For others of you, it's percentage. Hey, I, the best plan I know is to do it by percentage. The Bible talks about a tithe. That's 10%. It's a great place to start. And then, for some of us, you need to take a step beyond. Beyond with your time. Beyond with what you have. Just take another step. So Rachel and I, last night, we were talking about it. I got my, had the finance office get my giving statement last year. I, I had it and then I lost it and I really wanted to look at it. I wanted to study it because I said, you know what, God, you've been too good to me this year. You've been good to me every year. And I'm sure not backing up. I want to take a step forward. So I got it and we were sitting there talking about it and I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to tell you an amount, but the amount that Rachel and I talked about a few years ago, I came home with our letter of what we had given that year, going to send it to our accountant. And we both were in shock that we had given that much. I mean, we were celebrating, high-fiving in the kitchen. I mean, it was just like, oh my goodness, can you believe that? Well, the amount that we talked about last night is almost double. And I just said, isn't it amazing? I've always wanted to do this and I've wanted to be able to go that far. And so with God's grace, we're going to do that. You know why? I'll tell you why. He's been good to us for 18 years over now. I've had the privilege of standing here. I've had the privilege of knowing you and, and walking with you and celebrating with you and weeping with you. And for 18 years, we've watched God do incredible things in our family, in our life. I know 2020 was a bad year. I mean, it was a rough year in a lot of ways, but for me, I never dreamed I would be having major surgeries one right after another but I'm still here and God is still good. And I just believe the goodness of God just makes me want to be generous like God. For me to say no, for me to back up, for me to withhold, oh my goodness, when I know what he's done for me, no, I can't live with myself. I want to be good and generous the way my God has been good 
and generous to me. And I believe it is one of the greatest motivations for us all. You may not know any student. You may not know any of the projects. You may not know any of the partners we're going to work with. But do you know our God? Our God is good and he is worthy of it all. So let's stand together. And as we stand, I want to ask you a question. Go ahead and stand with me. Have you taken the first step? Have you taken the first step? You say, what is that, the first time giving? No, there's a step before this. The step before this is to say, Jesus, I, I believe that you came and died for my sin and you were buried and raised from the dead. You did that for me so that I could be forgiven of my sin. That's the first step. That's the goodness of God in the gospel. Have you ever received that gift? If you're on the stream or you're in this room and you've never prayed and said, Jesus, take my life. I'm giving it to you. And Jesus, I will follow you and I will follow you as long as I live. Can I just pray with you right now? Can we take that step today? It's the best step you'll ever take to receive the goodness of God in the, in the form of Jesus, our Savior. Let's pray together. Hey, I want you to say this. Just, it's a prayer giving God that access to your life. Jesus, thank you for coming to this earth for me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life. Jesus, today, I give you my life. You are worthy. You deserve my life and so much more. So, Lord, come in. Forgive me my sin. And I want to follow you the rest of my days. I want to follow you for the rest of my time on this earth. Lord, help me to do that. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.